This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. This is the agenda from Blood Red. I am Dan Austin and I'm joined by Dan Morgan. We are both from Liverpool.com and we're here to have a chat about Jürgen Klopp, who, as much as people might not want to brace themselves for the prospect, and has been talking about life after Liverpool. He's done an interview with the German magazine Kicker after winning their German Manager of the Year award, where he's basically said um, that when the time comes for him to, to think about taking a break from Liverpool, he's going to have a sabbatical. He doesn't quite specify what that means, whether that could be a sabbatical year from Liverpool and then he maybe comes back, which would be a sort of um, unorthodox way of, mm. of of defining a managerial career. It certainly never happened at Liverpool before. Um, or it could be, I'm leaving Liverpool whenever they decide I want to leave and then I'll have a year off and then maybe I'll go and get another job. Um, how do you sort of interpret what he's said? I think firstly... I think you've got to buy into Klopp as the person when you're thinking about all of this. And he's sort of revolutionised Liverpool, hasn't he, Dan? You know, in the way in which he's come in and he's he's kind of made us think of the bigger picture. You know, I remember he balked at the Shankly quotes about football being much more important than life and death. Mm. You know, he's he's very much a humanist. He's very much a man who values life as a concept. And this to him is is in many ways just a job like all of us go to every day. And he's very good at his job, which makes this situation quite difficult for us as supporters. Um, but the the whole concept of Jürgen Klopp and what he believes in and what his values are mean that if this is something that he feels he needs to do for himself at the end of 2022 when his contract expires, then we all have to accept that because it's something that he will know better than anybody else um, in terms of what he needs, and I think also, I think there's the, I think there's a bit of a, a Borussia Dortmund cloud that hangs over Klopp, in that I think in that last season he kind of felt like he'd overstayed himself a little bit, or things had gone a little bit stale. Mm. And I think, I think all all great managers have an inherent fear somewhere, and I think that's his. I don't think he'll want to risk any possibility of his words suddenly falling on deaf ears at Liverpool. So. Whatever way in which he does it, I'm all for it because I think it's it's right in line with him as as a person and, and what he does and how he's he's gone about his business at Anfield since he walked through the door. Well, one of the things that he said in the quotes, which have been translated by uh, Manuel Veth of Forbes, which is very helpful, um, he said, when I decide to myself that I can't give any more, I will quit. Who can say three years from now whether he can do everything or nothing? And I think that plays into what you're saying there. It is all or nothing for this man. He doesn't get to a point where he thinks you know what, I'm absolutely knackered. What a long six, seven years this has been. But if I can just get through one more year where, you know, maybe I don't quite give everything, maybe I take a little bit of a backseat and give the coaching staff more responsibility, then I can come back in another year a bit more refreshed. I don't think he that he's going to believe that that's a possibility. I think for him, it's a case of I absolutely bounce into Melwood every day yeah. and the day I don't feel like I can do that I have to go in there and tell them it's done and he also says that that he won't really be planning this very far in advance he says he'll think about it at the end of the season he doesn't mean this season he just means at the end of that season where it feels like it's the right time to me then that suggests we could just find ourselves unexpectedly one day in the position where he goes done because I'm knackered I'm absolutely knackered. And that will be totally justifiable. Yeah. But people still to this day in the city of Liverpool talk about the shock the day that, first of all, the Chankley left. Mm. 
and then the um, tag leash resigned Annie, yeah. in very, very different circumstances. Yeah. But they f- feel still, as, as, as someone who wasn't even alive when either of those things happened, like sort of cultural touchstones, real sort of where were you when that happened moments, a bit like the J- JFK assassination, yeah. where were you when Shanks said that he was gone? Because that's a real... You know, a man who is an institution of the city, not just a football club, saying he's not going to be involved anymore and, and moving away and doing something else with his life. I think it will be like that with him because I think there'll be this level of shock where we don't see it coming. I don't think it's a case of him saying in the March, I'm going to have to knock this on the head in June. Sorry about that. Mm. I think it's very, it, it will happen very quickly. And he defines the football club and everyone's attitude around it so much at this stage. The... I think I think you'll be able to feel it in the city. I think you'll be able to feel it in football and and, and the wider world as well. That that something massive has happened. If you look at Anfield now, when we go to Anfield now as supporters every other week, it's a joy. Like mm. I cannot wait. There's not enough time I can spend in Anfield, and I've never felt like that. I'm 33 now, and I've been going the game for a long time. But I I bounce into Anfield, and that's that's the impact of Jurgen Klopp since he come to this club. And he's hugely, hugely intense as, as a manager, as a man, as everything. And I'm not sure whether he's he's meant to put as big a stamp as he has on Liverpool, but it very much seems as well that FSG have gone, right, go on then. You, you, just, you do that, we're going to shut up for a bit. all of that, yeah. we'll just stay here <laughs> and we'll congratulate you when you, yeah. you lift a big shiny thing. And, and I think that by virtue of that, he's probably created this situation where he's become this... Beast in Liverpool, this hugely influential figure. But this all comes back to him as a person and and doing what he needs to do for him, which is best, which gets the best out of him. You know, that's that was something he said. He when he left Dortmund, he, he only took a six month break or whatever. But he felt like that was enough to benefit him to then come to Liverpool and re-energize himself for a challenge in Liverpool. And I think the other thing to remember as well is that there's two things present here. There's firstly no guarantees that come the end of his current contract, Liverpool are going to be as good as what they are now. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and secondly, if this team stays together, then I'd say the average age of it by that time would be about 30. If it's on around 26.2 now, it would be around the 30 mark. Football happens in cycles. People don't like to hear it. Alex Ferguson was brilliant at rebuilding football teams. This football team will need rebuilding by the time Jürgen Klopp's contract is up. Which is 2022. So for me, they need to start looking at that now. If they've got all of these players tied down to big long-term mm-hmm. deals, then the evolution of that as a concept needs to be, how do we then start rebuilding this football team in three years' time? What does what does that entail? Because it's going to be a really, really big job. And knowing what we've known about Liverpool over the last couple of years with Klopp, with everyone around him, there's no way that they just arrive at 2022 and go, this is a bit of a problem, isn't it? Need a new fella there, don't we? <laughs> and 17 players. <laughs> yeah. But you've just written a thing there for the website this morning before we started recording this video about what the world of football might look like and what Liverpool might look like by 2022-23. Um, sort of predicated on the idea that Klopp takes a one-year sabbatical and then comes back to manage Liverpool again. Um, 
it's it's berserk, quite frankly. <laughs> I saw better today on my words. You need to read it. It's absolutely bananas. Um, but it is it is worth thinking about because as, as I was reading it, we I was thinking we we don't know what football will look like then. No. So so we're assuming that Liverpool will play in the Premier League and the FA Cup and the League Cup and the Champions League. The Bitcoin but they Cup might done. well, yes, the Bitcoin <laughs> Cup is what we've labelled it. Um, but they might well not do. Um, if 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 various different things come to pass, I could well envisage a world where the League Cup doesn't exist by 2022 because mm-hmm. everyone's just gone what on earth are we still doing this for it doesn't make yeah. any sense um, who knows what international football will look like FIFA wants to create a new Club World Cup format that would be in place by then UEFA is looking at revamping various aspects of the Champions League yeah. who knows then therefore if the idea of a European or even global Super League comes up by that time so as much as, as as much as it is important for Liverpool to have a plan and I think that the plan is basically Pep Lines's I, I, I don't think it's anyone else. We've done a piece, me and Christian, where for Liverpool.com, which again is worth reading because there are a few interesting names in it based on what they're doing around sort of former Liverpool players and whether any of them could eventually take over. So there's obviously Gerard at Rangers, there's Chabi Alonso taking charge of Real Sociedad B, which is his first managerial job. Uh, Igor Bishkan is having an absolutely cracking time of it in, in Slovenia and Croatia, by the way. Um, you've heard it here first, Igor Bishkan <laughs> to succeed Jürgen Klopp. But on a serious <laughs> note, it all feels like to me that bit where he went to um, any see Nijmegen in the Netherlands and it didn't quite work out for him and then they immediately brought him back because mm. that Bouvac gap was there feels to me like the entire thing is predicated on we are building this man to be the next man um, and I think it makes total sense but as I say the whole thing feels so uncertain and again this plays into sort of the wider world feeling so uncertain um, that it, it's hard to plan that far in advance I think for anyone I know that they, that they have to be doing that but the uncertainty around finance, yeah. political situation in these countries with these organisations that run football and also the desire of all of the clubs to be bigger and better and the best makes me just wonder, Does are, are, you're talking about cycles of football leaders in football teams and players yes. reaching a certain age and managers, but football operates on the same way as a sport as well in the, the Premier League and Champions League come in at around about the same time and before that you have the period where technology advances to such a stage that European games are possible and international tournaments become more of a thing as well in the 50s and 60s are we sort of going to reach and this has gone very existential and I didn't quite mean it to but I think it's, it's right. interesting are we going to reach a stage sometime in the 2020s where football totally shifts again I and it's a so. different game. Yeah, I think so. And I think I think you're right in that it probably will just all happen at once or mm. will very much feel like it all happens at once. Or there's a, you know, there's a butterfly effect of one thing happening and then knock-ons are, are all over the place in terms of things like the League Cup or domestic cups that aren't viewed as, as important as they once were. So I think that's definitely in the pipeline for the future. What that all means for us as supporters is that we, we probably just have to throw our hands up and say... We have no control over this as a concept. We have to just sit back and see where and what happens mm. for for what we value. And what we value is going the game, having a lovely time, immersing ourselves in a in a new and old culture of football that suits us. And Liverpool are very much about that. Um, and I think a sense of of just being true to yourself as as what you are and what you go to watch football for and. Again, just going back to Klopp, I think that's something that he's been intrinsic to. You know, he's he's very much been a representation of Liverpool Football Club off the pitch as well as on it. And I think that with so much uncertainty in the future, Dan, I think the only thing we can do is enjoy the present. 
and by God, we're enjoying it. And we can also look forward to the 2025-26 blockchain world into invitational <laughs> tournaments. Liverpool versus Dubai United. Um, and and what a laugh that'll yeah. be, I suppose. Yeah. Who knows where Head that'll up. take us. Headers up by Little Mix, replacing <laughs> you'll never walk along before the game, which I'm banging to, to be fair. So, so. But essentially, me and Dan are now back off to the office to write a sort of sporting version of 1984. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. About 2034. Absolute dystopian football. Yeah. Um, um, what's your thoughts on, quickly, what's your on. thoughts on Jürgen Giraud? What do you think he does? I think a lot of countryside. Do you? I think the Black Forest. I think he goes back home and like sort of refines himself. That's interesting. I basically, if anyone's seen season four of Bojack Horseman, where he, where he goes back to... Um, is sort of a house in the in the woods that he grew up in as a child. I think Klopp has a real sort of re-engaging with himself as a human being rather than just this, you know, character um, or caricature of a person that he sort of has to be for the media and whatever else. I think he does the opposite of Guardiola. Guardiola goes to New York and lives the life, you know what mm. I mean, with his family and that kind of thing. I think Walks Guardiola... Walks with a book and a laptop. Uh, exactly. Uh, basically becomes like Starbucks if it was a human. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think um, Klopp does the opposite. I think he sort of gets back to nature and, and gets away from real life for yeah. a while and then comes back totally refreshed. I think you hear nothing for about three to four months and then... Yeah. Someone just puts something on Twitter and says, Do you know Jürgen Klopp's a ski instructor in like Andorra? <laughs> <laughs> or do you know he's just been in Ibiza for six months? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he does enjoy that as he well. Ibiza, we've seen he? before, yeah. 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 Maybe he'll just Ibiza. really commit to the aisle and the ciggies. And you know what? Fair play to him if he does. <laughs> That's enough from us anyway. Make sure to check Liverpool.com for all the pieces that we've done about it. But for now, thanks from Dan. Thanks from me. Enjoy the rest of your day. All the best. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.